Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, November the 27th, in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Mondays, we like to take a look at the lessons for the following Sunday, which is the first Sunday in Advent. It's the beginning of a new church year. And the particular gospel for this church year is the gospel of Mark. So we'll be looking at Mark quite a few times. This week, the Old Testament is from Isaiah 64. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians 1. And the gospel is from Mark 11. And it has Jesus coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Now, we do that during Advent because Advent means his coming. And, of course, he came both in the Bethlehem stable. He came into your heart when he was converted or you were converted by the Holy Spirit. And he's coming on Judgment Day. But he also came into Jerusalem with many people singing Hosanna. So that's one of the readings. I'm going to ask you a question. Right now, do you believe that you are guiltless? Now, I would imagine that most of you are going to say, no, I'm not guiltless because of my sins. Well, let's begin by taking a look at Isaiah chapter 64, where the believers are asking that Jesus would come down from heaven, that the mountains might quake at his presence, as when the fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil in order to make God's name known to his adversaries and the nations might tremble at his presence. Now, this is Jesus' advent coming on the last day of the earth when we will, many of us, be taken to heaven and those in the graves who are believers will be raised from the dead. Isaiah 64 continues with verse 3. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. Now, I'm sure that's referring back to Mount Sinai. When the people were very afraid, Remember, Moses had gone up in the mountains and had not returned. And so from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Now, Israel had waited many years in Egyptian captivity, 400. And then Moses came and they were able to leave the land of Egypt 
through the Red Sea, going to the promised land. And this is why Israel says there has been nobody knowing a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. That's an important point to make because things happen in our life since we are in the land of tribulation, the earth. This is the place that Satan was thrown down to after leaving heaven. And so we expect tribulation, persecution, suffering, grief. Yet as we wait for God's promises to come true, God acts every time. Verse 5, you meet him who joyfully seeks righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Now that's talking about the life of sanctification, that in the life of sanctification, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to work righteousness. One of that items is your faith. You trust in Jesus. You trust that when he was on the cross, he was dying for your sins. You trust that when you die, he will not forget you as he did not forget the one thief on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today, Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise. And so on Good Friday, when the thief died and Jesus died as a human being, both of their spirits went to heaven and were together in paradise. Behold, verse 5 continues, you were angry because we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time. And then a question, shall we be saved? This is really the question of every person in the world. What is going to happen when I die here on earth? Many believe that you just go out of existence because there is no God. Those are atheists. Others believe that you will be rewarded because you're doing his works of righteousness. But the Bible makes very clear that even when you do works of righteousness, such as giving food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, visiting those in prison, visiting the sick, clothing the naked, etc. This is all in Matthew 25, that even those who do it without faith do not go to heaven. So we have been in sins a long time. We've been born with original sin that clings to us. And until the Holy Spirit comes into us and gives us a new nature, God is angry with our sins. Verse six, 
we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now, what is the Christian saying there? Yes, we can do righteous deeds. We may feed the hungry as an unbeliever, clothe the naked, give drink to the thirsty, visit people in prison, but these outwardly righteous deeds are like a polluted garment because they do not have faith. To do a proper righteous deed means our motivation is because of love for Jesus Christ. And therefore, verse 5 continues, we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. We're experiencing right now in our trips to Illinois, all of a sudden the trees have become barren. The leaves have fallen. In fact, in our trip, there was snow everywhere, in the fields and on the roads. And that's what happens to us. Our lives like a leaf. We do not last long at all in comparison to God. And we fade like a leaf. And our iniquities take us away. But, verse 7, there is one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. What this verse is saying is we melt in the sense we become kind of despairing because of our sins. We doubt that we're going to heaven because we're not good enough. And therefore, we look to the one who calls upon your name. And of course, this is speaking of none other than Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. He calls upon the name of the Father because he and the Father are one, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, here on earth, God has hidden his face from us. Even Moses on Mount Sinai only saw the backside of God. But we will see his face when we go to heaven. And what difference does that make? Verse 8, But now, O Lord, and the word Lord there is all in capitals, that's referring to the name of God, Yahweh, that Moses was given on Mount Sinai. This 
is our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Now, think on that. We are all, all parts of us as believers, the work of his hand. We did not do anything with our hands to become one with the Father as Jesus has cleansed us from our sins. And we are therefore going to be with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in verse 9, Isaiah is inspired by the Holy Spirit to request, Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Now this is Isaiah with the believers indicating that God can stop being angry. And in fact, in Corinthians, it indicates that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God no longer is angry with us. He is reconciled to us. This is the very opposite of every other religion in the world. In every other religion in the world, our task is to get reconciled with God. And when God sees that we are doing good works according to his will, then he's pleased with us and saves us. That is exactly the opposite way of which Christianity saves. Instead, because of the sacrifice of Christ, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, God already is reconciled to you. And therefore, when someone is reconciled to you, you can be reconciled to God. And that comes through faith in the Holy Spirit because God is reconciled to you. We are the people of God. God is our Father. Jesus is our brother. And the Holy Spirit is the one who motivates us to do the good works of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1 begins to answer the question we asked you. Are you guiltless? It begins in verse 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you, says the Apostle Paul because the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, 
Now, what's that talking about? That's talking about that God is taking care of you, enriching you in both your speech and your knowledge. We've been looking at Proverbs for weeks, and that refers to the knowledge of God and his Holy Spirit giving us knowledge about how God desires us to live. And that knowledge is something that is wonderful. We're enriched. We're sanctified. It's a life of sanctification. Even verse 6 says, as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. What's that talking about? The testimony of Christ was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And that is confirmed among us as we have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit and received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the forgiveness of sins. So, verse 7 says, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Now, is that talking about when you get to heaven? No. Look at the very next phrase. We are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the good news for the Christian here on earth. While we are waiting for Jesus to return in the same way that he left the disciples when he ascended into heaven in a cloud, he will return and into the clouds will go all the dead believers, their bodies be raised. And those of us who are still living on earth, we will be transformed into new bodies with our spirits in heaven, living with Jesus. So that verse 7 says that that occurs while we wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Going back to Matthew 25, therefore the Christians do feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, and do many other good things. But from God's point of view, because you believe in Jesus Christ and you are inspired by the Holy Spirit to do those things and motivated by him to love your neighbor, this is the evidence that God needs to know that you are part of his family. And then comes verse 8. This is how God will sustain you to the end. Well, what's he going to do? And here in the English it says, he will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
How many Christians realize that? That when you are a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, many of your works, yes, you continue to sin, but God remembers you and he does not remember your sins. He reconciles himself to you and therefore he sustains you to the end guiltless. You are becoming and are like Jesus. Jesus was guiltless when he was crucified. He was innocent. That's the way God regards you right now. So as we near the Christmas season, we're remembering Jesus who comes in the swaddling cloths and is the baby of Mary and Joseph. Remember, even the shepherds come from the sheep and worship him. Later, the wise men come and worship him. Soon, many people worship him. And that means that he is the God that we were not able to be aware of during the Old Testament. We heard of his coming. We heard of the promises of his coming already back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God said through the snake that through the seed of Eve would come a savior. Now, she mistakenly thought it was Cain when he was born. No, it was through the seed also of the Virgin Mary, many hundreds of years later, when she gave birth to God himself as a human being, he became incarnate. And the reason he became incarnate, which means he became human, was so that he would be enabled to die for your sins. He paid the price you owed. And that's why verse 9, uh, the ending of our epistle from 1 Corinthians 1 is so important. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What is the fellowship of his son? It refers, the word fellowship, to a communion with him, a gathering together. It's the holy Christian church on earth. That's the fellowship of God, consisting only of believers who came to faith through the waters of the Pentecost baptism or through hearing the word of God by missionaries that we send throughout the world. This is why from God's point of view, you are guiltless because your sin has been taken from you and attached 
to the cross of Christ. That's why his death is so important. As Ephesians says, when you are in Christ, you have not only died to sin, you have been raised to new life, resurrected from the dead, and Ephesians teaches that you have also been raised to the right hand of God. Yes, right now, you are at the right hand of God as a Christian because you are part of the body of Christ. And wherever the head is, so also is the body. And Jesus, the head, is at the right hand of God. That's why we don't need anyone to pray through except Jesus, because he's at the right hand of God, hearing your prayers with God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, answering them in such a way that they always are working out for your good. That's his promise. And at times we can see that in our life where terrible things happen and yet we are kept safe. Where injury may even occur, but we are healed. And even if we are not healed and we die here on earth because of injury or whatever, guess what? We are held guiltless by God the Father, taken into his ever-loving arms and being with Jesus and the Holy Spirit forever and ever in heaven. That's the promise of Isaiah 64 and 1 Corinthians 1. And that's why Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to die on Good Friday and be raised on Easter Sunday. God bless you. Join us tomorrow for a hymn study. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.